You're listening to When Christians Speak Online Talk Radio, broadcasting out of the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Today's voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. When Christians Speak is dedicated to lifting up the name of Christ Jesus and spreading the good news. Join us for our weekly broadcast, His Abounding Grace, with Minister Vanessa Williams. That's every Tuesday at 7 p.m. On Wednesday afternoons at 1 p.m., join Reverend Gwendolyn Dixon for the Midday Glory Prayer Line. The dial-in number is 641-715-3580. The access code is 732-499. And Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., Challenge to Change, where real transformation begins with you. That's with Pastor Paul Morgan of Chosen Generation Ministries in Richmond, Virginia. On Thursdays, live at 12 noon, join Reverend Pat Randall for Declaring the Finished Work for an hour of worship, exhortation, and prayer. Reverend Ray and friends are here on Friday nights at 7 p.m. with the joy of the Lord on Friday Night Joy. Sundays at 7 p.m., join Reverend Ray for Bread of Life for a word in season. And don't forget our monthly broadcast. First Mondays of every month at 7 p.m., Be blessed with the teaching ministry of Apostle Shirley Jones on Lifeline. On third Mondays at 7 p.m., join Evangelist Louis McElwain for Adoration, a broadcast of worship and ministries on the mission field. Second Saturdays of the month, join Reverend Curtis, Reverend Novena, and Minister Jordana for Bold and Beautiful a youth and young adult broadcast setting the world on fire with the love of Jesus. All broadcast times are Eastern Standard Time. Hey family, I want to introduce our newest broadcast that joined us in 2018, The Marriage Take Over the Body of One, hosted by Reverend Eric and Reverend Tamika Thompson. They will be addressing a wide range of topics that will serve to encourage you and to strengthen your marriage. So remember that's every third Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, The Marriage Take Over over the body of one. When Christian Speak Talk Radio is a non-profit ministry, we are dedicated to spreading the gospel of Jesus through our programs and special guests. We exist through the generous support of our listeners. If you are being blessed through this ministry and would like to give a love offering, go to our website and click on our donation page. Your donation will be processed to PayPal. Our prayer is that you may prosper, be in good health, even as your soul When Christian Speak Talk Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry, so all of your gifts to this ministry are tax deductible. 
So go out to our website, www.whenchristianspeak.com, and click on our donation page. Adoration Mission Statement Adoration is defined as an intense admiration of the Lord Jesus Christ, culminating in our reverence and worship of Him. Our broadcast is dedicated to exploring the many ways we show our adoration in prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, praise, worship, dance, song, missions, outreach, and Bible study. In adoration, we come before our Lord to have frank and compelling conversation with believers who embody the act of uncompromising appreciation for how the Lord provides for us and to reverence the very essence of who He is. We invite our listeners to sojourn with us to the throne of grace each month and continue to draw nigh to our Savior in love through our adoration.
Today, O Lord, may we glorify you on the adoration program. May you bless When Christian Speak Talk Radio, every minister of the gospel who takes their time each and every week to come on air and to make proclamation of your holy name. We thank you, O God, for the dedication and the service for all of our online hosts, that, Lord God, that because of their obedience and servitude, that you would bless them abundantly above anything we could ask or think. We thank you, O Lord. For tonight, we shall once again share your holy word. And Lord God, we pray that your word would go forth into the nations, just proclaiming how great and how excellent you are in all the earth and in heaven. We praise you, O God, for Lord God, we are nothing without you. In adoration, O oh God, we just say thank you. Thank you, O oh God, for all that you have done for us and the most precious gift that you have given us by way of your son, Christ Jesus. We honor you. We praise you and adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, O oh God. You are worthy to be praised. Welcome, my beloved, to Adoration. I am always excited to have this opportunity to be on air, and I just want to publicly thank uh, both Reverend Ray Rose and also Pastor Pat Randall, who have given me over the past three months an additional Monday each month to be able to complete this teaching series that we've been in, which is titled, Are You Living for Prosperity or Promise? Are You Living for Prosperity or Promise? And we have gone through uh, many lessons. Uh, in fact, tonight. Uh, I've been told that this is actually part nine in our series, and I'm telling you, honestly, my beloved, never, ever have I studied so much than I have to make sure that um, what we have been sharing over the past few months has been God-inspired, God-written, and God-spoken. And so there's no difference tonight. We have a subtitle that's called The Wrap-Up, and we have gone through so many things dealing with the prosperity that comes by way of the world compared to the promises of God. Now, last Monday night, we talked about so many promises. In fact, I barely skimmed the surface of promises that God makes throughout the Bible, and we focused on a lot of them, especially in the book of Isaiah that is filled with God's promises uh, towards mankind. Uh, but tonight, 
we're going to wrap things up and let me just go into my dialogue, which talks about, you know, in the past we've talked about um, our adversary devil and the sweet victory that we achieve over him when we cling to God's promises. Those promises are numerous throughout the Bible, but the one thing I cling to most is his promise never to leave us nor forsake us, which is found in Hebrews 13, verse 5. Now, throughout the past few months, we have used the 1999 movie, The Matrix, just as a foundation to unearth biblical truths related to the conflict of living for the prosperity of the world versus living in the sweet, sweet, sweet aroma of God's promises. And so throughout, we focused on the following seven principles that I'll read for your hearing again. These principles have been the foundation throughout our lessons in order to understand the pattern that many of us go through as we're actually seeking God and not just uh, the church experience or being able to go to a, a, a Bible study or a Sunday school, but really experiencing God in our everyday walk. So listen to these seven principles and be blessed. So it starts off with principle number one, uh, living a life without understanding. The second principle is coming to the realization you are unfulfilled. The third principle is seeking truth. And we know in scripture that the truth will make us free. The fourth principle is rebirth and cleansing. In other words, he will make us clean inside. Principle number five, training and discipleship. Principle number six, adversity and conflict. And as we uh, dealt with on last Monday night, Principle number seven, the V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, victory. And that's the victory not uh, for a sporting event, not uh, for achieving something at work, but the victory in Christ Jesus. As always, throughout, uh, we're using our foundational scripture found in Matthew 6 verses 19 through 24, and it reads as thus, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So tonight, we wrap things up with an exploration of this foundational scripture and the reason why it inspired me to share this series. So, beloved, this series has actually been in my head for over five years, and it's taken all that time for God to show me how to actually share it with you. To summarize things, I got my feelings hurt many years ago directly from the pulpit after deciding to go on to move on to uh, another ministry. It was in a message that was titled Sifting. That's the word sifting, uh, which is found in Luke 22, verse 31. I literally heard my private conversation with my then pastor brought to public knowledge right in the service. Now, whether my decision was a wise one or not, it was really the lack of confidentiality that literally brought me to tears. On top of all this, I had previously shared my intent to leave uh, the church with a deacon that I looked up to as a father figure. And he ended up being the one who took our private conversation and pre-warned the pastor of what my plans were. So my eventual conversation with the pastor was no surprise to him at all. My beloved, let me tell you, I, I went on to two other ministries after this point, And while I had more responsibilities in those ministries, and, you know, God will always grow you no matter what circumstance you're in, as long as you're faithful. I still felt something of essence was missing from my ministerial life. So it was during a difficult time in my first marriage that I went before the congregation and made a public confession that my marriage was headed for divorce and that I wanted to be honest and forthright before God's people instead of false rumors being spread throughout the church. You know, I wanted to be the the one who controlled the uh, atmosphere, so to speak, or at least to control the dialogue. So I promised that my faith in Christ was most secure and that I wanted to faithfully continue my service uh, towards the Lord. So while I felt I had the support of the congregation, 
I didn't feel the same for the various leaders of our church community. Uh, some who actually said that the entire failure of the marriage was solely upon me because I was the man. And in fact, it was pretty much said that if I could not save the marriage, then how could I be a leader in the church? Wow. <laughs> uh, another crushing blow. It was like a dagger in my heart. It was after this that I came across my, quote, Morpheus. And we've been talking about the characters in the, the Matrix where Morpheus was kind of like the father figure, the guide for the main character whose name is Neo. Anyway, so I came across my Morpheus figure who began to share with me a different way of experiencing God that had nothing to do with um, necessarily my biblical understanding at that point. So it was it was like all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing and experiencing God in a way that I never uh, understood him before. And what happened was over the next five years, I literally lived in existence outside the local church, um, but definitely not outside God. In fact, my understanding of God increased tremendously. And with my understanding of this false materialistic existence also increasing, I began to really start to internalize all the things that I've been sharing over the past few months. I began to understand the ways of God that were not necessarily written in the commentaries, but they were etched in my heart by Christ Jesus himself. For the first time in my life, I was living my best life. I love that phrase. I was living my best life in him who is able to present me faultless before the seed of his glory with exceeding joy. Oh, my God. Now, what do I do with this new experience? It, it, it truly felt like I was born again. And you know you get excited because you got the word all in you and the, the, the feelings and, and the, the, the presence of God is upon you, and you just want to go out and tell everybody, well, I was having another experience similar to that with my new understanding of God. Well, for purposes of this program, um, you know, I had an opportunity to catch up with a dear friend and Pat Randall. She's actually engineering this broadcast as we speak. Um, she, she offered an opportunity to be interviewed on her podcast, and then she, along with uh, Reverend Ray Rose, who's the founder of uh, When Christians Speak Talk Radio, somehow talked me into actually doing a program on air. And I think that was over two years ago. And here we are right now, and I'm having the time of my life doing this. I can't even imagine what life was like before this opportunity came into existence. So listen, beloved, I have made peace in my heart with all those who I felt betrayed me. And 
Here's the kicker. More importantly, I made peace with the many people I crushed along the way with my religious understanding of the Bible. And, you know, so many times we want to always blame other people, but, you know, one of the famous phrases in my home, my wife and I talk about it all the time, is, hey, own it. And so I'm owning it because just as I felt like I was going through some things, I also inflicted some things on other people. And for that, I had to beg forgiveness first from God and to as many of those people as I could catch up with to let them know that I was in error. In other words, I was wrong and I was sorry. It's amazing how those saying I'm sorry can mean so much to both the individual who's received uh, some of your uh, um, uh, issues or even to the individual who's apologizing how it brings peace to our being. And so um, anyway, see, I was like Neo lack of understanding, you know, having a zeal for the word, but having no power therein, I, I was like Neo, lack of understanding, knowing that there was something greater out there, going through the process of seeking truth, dealing with my own rebirth and cleansing, battling the adversary, because you know once you come out and know the truth, then you know that the adversary is out to tear you apart. So I, I trust me, there's nothing that has been taught over these past few months that I have not lived in my own experience. And to lead all the way to last week's lesson, which was to have a victorious life in Christ. So as I promised, let's talk about Matthew 6 verses 19 through 24, because the key to our lessons is right there in the text. I've, I've read that scripture for every lesson without explanation, but let's talk about it tonight. So the overall summary of the first part of Matthew chapter 6 was to show how Jesus was exposing that the righteousness of the Pharisees was deficient because it was filled with hypocrisy in matters of giving, in matters of prayer, and in matters of fasting. Now, Christ exposed that the way the Pharisees were displaying these things was more about their self-righteousness and not the pure acts of worship as God intended them to be. Now, of course, Christ has a more excellent way by leading us to desire treasures in heaven. So while the Pharisees had an earthly concept of spiritual ideals, Christ was preparing the people for an eternal treasure that could never be obtained by earthly means. So let's talk about it. Starting 
with Matthew 6, verse 19. And I'll read that again. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. So listen, Jesus is telling us in that verse not to depend only on the assets we accumulate on earth. These things are susceptible to leading us to do immoral things to obtain and keep that wealth or puts us in a position or a yeah, position of uh, uh, being in the line of fire for thieves to steal from us. So while normally a thief will do their best not to have any physical contact with the owner of a possession, in other words, being a thief is different than being a robber. A robber will just take it right off of you, right while you're standing there. The thief comes when it's supposedly no one around and he steals quietly and takes it away from you. So being a thief uh, is something that is definitely a characteristic, as we talked about last week, of our adversary, the devil. Okay, so there is a chance that the owner could still be harmed even by a thief, uh, because of the spiritual uh, uh, factions that come into play in having things taken away from you. Remember, Jesus is not telling us not to save or not to have things that we desire. No, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything uh, is available according to his purposes for us. So it's all right to desire things, things that are of an earthly, uh, 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 earthly uh, means. However, it is the worship of those earthly treasures he is trying to warn us about. See, we never want to be a slave to the things that we own, but we do want to be disciples of the eternal, and the eternal is always found in Christ. Let's move on to Matthew 6, verse 20. It says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So instead, what Jesus is saying is he's encouraging us to store up possessions that are heavenly, possessions that can never get dusty or rusty, possessions that only grow in value, possessions that are eternal, and most importantly, possessions that can never be stolen by thieves. For the record, I proclaim these most valuable possessions are found within the fruit of the Spirit. And 
want to know about the fruit of the Spirit, you can go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. I'm not going to read that right now, but let's just talk about the components that make up that fruit. And for the record, understand this, my beloved, stop putting the plural on fruits. It is not fruits. It is the fruit, but it has nine components that make up the the atmosphere found in that fruit. And it starts with the love of God. Now, I'm going to be putting of God on the end of every component because every word that I'm going to say can have some earthly meaning, but we're not dealing with earthly things here. We're dealing with the eternal. So the first component is the love of God. The second one is the joy of God. In other words, that joy, unspeakable joy, joy, remember, joy is really not based upon circumstances. Joy just is, and joy is what we experience when we uh, reduce ourselves, decrease, that he may increase in us. Thus, no matter whether things are going on that are awry or things that are going that are in our favor, we always have joy. The next one, the third one, is the peace of God. You know, in Philippians, it talks about that peace that passes all understanding. It blows the mind of the adversary when you are able to deal with your circumstances, not in fear, not in uh, tribulation, but in the peace of God, which leads to the fourth one, God's patience. Then we have the kindness of God, just being kind, which leads to the next one, the goodness of God. Next is the faithfulness of God. Remember, faith, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I mean, that's the biblical description but really, what it really breaks down to is faith is just knowing that God has got you. And you don't have to see it in order to know that he is already working on your behalf. Leads to the eighth component, which is gentleness slash meekness. So God is tender. He's gentle. He's meek. Uh, as the, the word says, he's lowly at heart. And so that's the way that we ought to approach things as well in gentleness and meekness. And then last, number nine, is this word temperance, which the easy definition is self-control. In other words, God is never off the chain. And so if he's not off the chain, we should not be off the chain either. And let me explain to you, my beloved, that off the chain doesn't mean that we don't get excited because I guarantee you, if you ever catch me in the worship experience, I am definitely having a good time. However, we don't live our lives erratically. God, through his Holy Spirit, is a God of control, and he is the one who controls that atmosphere. And 
There are times when we should not speak. There are times when we should not dance. But there are times when we should do all of that. God controls us. He controls our anger, which is definitely one of my issues. Uh, And with that self-control, along with the other eight components, we have eternal power from on high. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Now, this fruit with these nine components make up the treasures that will sustain us, encourage us, mature us, and save us. No thief can ever get to this fruit, for it is sealed in Christ forever. So going to verse 21, it reads, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So this one is definitely the key verse. So let's talk about it for a moment. Earthly wealth is solely governed by the owner of it. In other words, money or possessions do not have a conscience. They don't feel, they don't see, they don't smell, or they don't think. They simply do whatever the owner desires for them to do. So the question becomes, what are we desiring? (laughs) Think about that. What are we desiring, beloved? Ever notice how the minute calamity hits the average uh, rich person, you know, how they often end up jumping out of buildings or overdosing on uh, narcotics, just losing their minds. What is it in these individuals that make them take their own lives or to jeopardize their families in the midst of trouble? Now, I would argue they have put more value in money or their earthly fortunes uh, to appreciate the more excellent promises of God. So Matthew has stated it plainly here, where your treasure is, so too is where your heart is. So if our motivations are governed solely on stock, uh, excuse me, stock market investments or real estate brokering or side hustles with money as the only motivating factor, or maybe for some people it's power, the earth's power. If that's it, and uh, you do not take our wealth to give to those in need. In other words, if you are obtaining all this stuff and you don't take the time to give to those who are in need, you end up shallow and empty with no compassion whatsoever for your fellow man. In Matthew 25, verse 40, it encourages us to give to those in need, for when we do this, we have given to Christ. 
one of the greatest joys that I have in this life is when my nonprofit accomplishes a goal and we are able to bless our communities. I, I tell my board members all the time, you know, we ask for donations with the intent to spend that money or give of those in-kind donations and share it with needy families and worthy projects. God promises us when we give, heaven will always return it back to us anyway. You can go to Luke uh, 6 for that. Um, And heaven will always return it back to us anyway, and not only return it back to us, but with more abundance. Stop holding on to stuff and hold on to God's promises. That leads us into verses 22 and 23, and I want to address them together because some, in some ways they might seem like they're out of place with the other verses that preceded them, but we're going to marry them and join them together to show that these verses are just as relevant. So, verse, uh, excuse me, Matthew 6, verses 22 through 23 says this, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I usually, you know, you've heard me say it all the time. I very seldom use commentaries, but I actually use one uh, for this particular uh, scripture because what they said really made a lot of sense uh, to me. So just so you know that I'm not plagiarizing here, I went on a site called gotquestions.org, and this is what uh, they said concerning Matthew 6, 22 and 23. It says, here, our Lord describes the eye as a lamp which lights the entire body. Our eyes are the entrance to our hearts and minds, and as such, they provide a doorway to our very souls. When he referred to good eyes, he meant eyes that not only see well, but also perceive well. It is not only what we see, but how we perceive what we see that makes the difference between godliness and ungodliness, between light and darkness. Bad eyes lead to bad perception. But if our eyes are good, our whole person will be illuminated. If we are in a lighted room, we see everything clearly. We can move around obstacles and locate whatever we're looking for. But walking in darkness results in stumbling, falling, and groping for some secure thing to hang on to. 
Our eyes can be used to see that which is good or evil, that which is beneficial or harmful, and the things we see and perceive affect our whole being. If we perceive goodness, that will radiate outward from within our hearts and minds. But if we allow our eyes to linger on evil, we are so affected by what we see that darkness actually begins to emanate with, from within and can corrupt us and those around us. And I want to take a quick pause there. My wife is the epitome of this. She will tell you in a heartbeat, I have to keep my eyes from things that aren't going to do me any good. And I praise her for that. Okay, so let's continue. The Bible tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That's his great deception to make people think they found the light when, in fact, it's the darkness of false light. You can find that in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 14. His intention is to blind us to truth and corrupt our minds, and he uses our eyes to gain interest to our hearts. He parades before us all manner of evil, from the deluge of pornography on the internet to the endless barrage of the world's goods that appeal to our materialistic impulses. He deludes us into believing that these things will make us happy, fulfilled people, when all the while they are robbing us of the very joy we long for. He wants us to allow, or he wants us to allow more and more darkness into our minds through the books we read, the movies we watch, and the images we allow our eyes to linger upon. And it's in that way, the light of the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus Christ is obscured to us. Although the light is everywhere, like the sun at noonday, blazing, blinding light. If our eyes are continually focusing on sin, the light we perceive is no light at all. If we want to be filled with the true light, we have to turn from sin and repent and ask God to forgive and cleanse us and open our spiritual eyes, then we must commit to being careful where we allow our eyes to go. We guard our hearts and souls by guarding our eyes. And let me throw this aside in here that says having an evil eye simply means that if we evaluate everything on the world's concept of fairness, we are not seeing the abundant graces of God. Simply put, beloved, if you see your neighbor progressing in life and all of a sudden you're getting a feeling of jealousy that's creeping into your heart, maybe, just maybe, it's because you are seeing or perceiving 
with only your natural senses and not seeing or perceiving that God is, he's more than able to allow himself to distribute his graces in any manner he so chooses. And we who believe that understand that God supplies all our needs. And remember, in the King James Version, it is not plural. Because honestly, my, my beloved, our need is really only for him. So he supplies all our need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, which takes us to that final verse, Matthew 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So our final verse really addresses who, what we are loyal to. Again, understanding Jesus is not condemning the accumulation of money or possessions on the surface. That's key, on the surface. He is stating that we end up either becoming slaves to the items we own and acquire, or we choose him and possess all the heavenly benefits of being in God's family. I leave you with this tonight, my beloved, as we close out this series. So, you know, I must say that my own uh, spiritual awareness has increased tremendously. Uh, You know, I never, ever thought that God would use me through this 1999 movie called The Matrix, which on the surface appears to have no uh, real connection with Christ. However, when you look at all the things that were going on in that movie, and honestly, beloved, I skimmed through so much of that movie. There are many things that I didn't even address that maybe somewhere in a different kind of teaching that we can talk about, you know, things that that deal with, um, you know, dimensions and and, and understanding my manipulation and my empowerment. Uh, A lot of those things I kind of just breeze through, but those things are so very key in us navigating our world both our physical world and our spiritual world and being able to navigate those things victoriously. So anyway, let me uh, wrap this thing up. Um, There's this passage 
in Revelation 3, uh, verses 14 through 22, and this time I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, uh, just for a little bit of clarity. And this is uh, the Apostle John, um, you know, at this point, he's been inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he is writing on the Isle of Patmos where he has been banished. Uh, and, you know, my beloved, even as I'm saying that, when you are feeling like you've been in, put in a place where you've been taken away from the general population, rejoice in that because that is where God has the opportunity to get you away from the, the crowd and to really speak to you and to give you revelation knowledge. So let me drop this on you right now. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. It says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and the white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Can I say that again? So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Beloved, let's not get this thing twisted. The churches simply represent all those who believe. It is not the local church on the corner. The churches, we are the we are 
blocks. We are center blocks with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And so how we see with our spiritual eyes and how we perceive things makes all the difference in the world. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to your heart tonight. What is the Spirit saying to you, beloved? We've been down this road for the past three months. What is the Spirit saying to you after nine parts of this lesson? Here we are today at the point where either we can choose God or we can choose mammon. We can choose the prosperity with the limitations that come with the prosperity of this earth, things that will fade away, things that will get old, things that will get damaged. If that's the life you're leading, well, that's all you're going to get and you're going to have an emptiness at some point when those things fade away. But God's plan for our lives never fade away because his treasures are better than silver and they're better than gold. They will put a shame to anything that this earth can ever offer you. Beloved, understand this, that tonight in the name of Jesus, that name that's higher than any name in all the earth, that's the name that we go after tonight and we go after all the possessions that we get from him for eternity that we may be able to dine with him, to have him come to our door and enter through and to meet us where we are in our new bodies that are not corruptible but are incorruptible through our Lord Christ Jesus. Beloved, I love you. I pray for all of us tonight that something over the past few months has been said to encourage your hearts that, oh, my God, we, we, we thank, again, When Christian Speak Talk Radio for giving us a platform to be free to be able to share the gospel in our individual but definitely unique and special ways. And I praise God tonight for this lesson and that Many more are coming uh, down, the, down the line uh, as we continue on the adoration broadcast. Beloved, in the name of Jesus, be encouraged, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Good night and God bless.